Welcome to this episode of the Game Changer Podcast. I'm Norris Blunt, and I'm joined here by my good friend, Julie Barron-Wells. Julie, how are you doing? I am just doing great. I'm so glad we're back from our little mid-season break. Me too. I mean, I know our last broadcast was September 7th, but we took a little mini break. Hopefully you guys missed us as much as we missed you. And we are ready to roll with some more game-changing moments and stories. What do you think, Julie? Well, I just think if people knew how much we appreciate our producers, Hannah and Monroe, that help us get this out to listeners, it's, it's, we get the fun job. We get to talk about and meet people and do this part of it. But a lot of the big time work goes in behind the scenes. And we always want to make sure that people know how much we appreciate Hannah and Monroe Bell. Yes, we do really appreciate Hannah Monroe Bell because we know that Julie is a total diva and it's hard to work with her, isn't it? So, you know, we do appreciate our producers. But, you know, our next game-changing gentleman, Julie, tell us a little bit about Kim Talley. I think you, you well, he really impacted your life. Mine and, and just thousands of other people. I'm Kim, I met Kim Talley when I was in high school and I grew up in the Bible Belt, everyone just assumes everyone that lives in Lubbock, Texas goes to church every Sunday and has a relationship with Christ. We have so many amazing people here who did have that lifestyle, but I was one of those high school kids that was a strong student, good student, came from a very uh, you know, middle-class family. My parents worked, but we went to church, but we just didn't have that type of a relationship with God as as I came to know through my friendship and the relationship that I found through Lubbock Young Life. And Kenneth Kim Talley was our area director. He was the leader here and he brought hundreds and hundreds of high school people and college people to Christ. And as I have grown over the last 30 years and had a family, I've remained friends with Kim and he has participated in all kinds of things in my life and we just remained friends. And when we started the show, I have wanted to have him on from day one, just because I know his, his life story, his spiritual story is such a motivator for all of us who think we are the only ones going through things and to know someone like him is amazing um, just because he's always he's always on and he's always right there with God and uh, and he has just led this amazing journey. Um, I I don't want to spoil all of the story, Norris. I mean, as you know, we've had such yes. a good time talking with Kim. Um, but had a great time talking with Kim. And what's yes. amazing, Julie. I was not a believer in high school, but I knew who Kim, I had heard of Kim Talley, but I didn't hang out, hang around with Kim Talley. I did not go to Young Life, but I was really into sports. Mm-hmm. And my group of friends and my group of friends were not going to Young Life, I don't think. Right, right. So uh, I know who this man is and yes. pretty much a legend. As a matter of fact, I was having lunch with a gentleman here in Waco, Texas, who worked for Young Life and uh-huh. knew of Kim Talley. Kim Talley. And- and that's, that's the great thing is that Kim is always opening doors for people to connect. And um, I recently, even after we interviewed him, I went back and pulled out this book that he gave me uh, when I had gone off to college and had some personal things happen in college. And he showed up on my birthday week and brought me this book. 
And I read it, you know, all those years ago, 30 something years ago, but I went and dug that book out again. And it just gave me full body chills because the book is even more applicable and personal yes. to my life now. And the, the intro to the book was even just one of those things. And someone told me this weekend, and I thought you were going to, I know you're going to love this Norris. I know you're going to love saying this to people, but sometimes people are standing there leaning on a shovel, praying for a hole. And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, how many times are we sitting there praying to God, if you could just do something for me and you're the person standing there leaning on the shovel right. and Kim Talley has really given so many people in West Texas and just all across the country, um, you know, the desire to pick up the shovel and start digging. Um, well, Kim sure Talley, his story is a game changer. Yes. God took a kid who lost his dad when he was only seven years old and was going through an identity crisis in college and used Young Life to introduce him to Jesus so he could become a leader and speaker that would introduce others to Jesus. Think about that today as you're listening to this episode. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Kim Talley. Well, thanks. Great to be with both of you. Julie and I have been dear friends for a long time. It shows you how old I am that I was her youth leader. Um, and I've known Norris, and we've been involved in that Lubbock, uh, Monterey uh, High School, Plains of Moon connection. Plains of Power. That's right. But our big connection really is the Lord and what he's done in our lives. So, Amen. Um, you know, I, as we talked earlier before this, I think if there were a, a T-shirt that I was going to make that Norris wants me to make for it, a theme would be, how did I get here? Uh, and, and then uh, the answer would be, well, because of God. And so, um, you know, quickly, my story, I came, I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and um, was just uh, enjoying life as a first grader. And then my father, who was a believer, had contracted non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is curable now, but uh, at age seven, my father died. And um, our family was kind of a cover that up and not let you know things. And but all of a sudden we were, you know, I was fatherless for my brother, my sister and I without a father for, for quite a while. And I was kind of the man of the family, they said at seven, which was kind of a kind of pressure. But then mm -hmm. uh, mom was a working mom. And so uh, didn't have a dad most of my life. And then mom remarried uh, my stepfather from Sarah, Oklahoma. And then uh, we moved from Amarillo to Austin, Texas because the air base had closed in Amarillo. So we moved to Austin, Texas, and I was in, uh, gosh, my first year of junior high, we called it back then, now middle school. And so I uh, grew up uh, really middle school, high school, and then I went to college at UT. So I grew up in Austin, and I was uh, in Austin in the 60s, imagine that. So uh, middle school, high school, just dope smoking, had the, had the hair and the, the fro and the whole- Did you have dreads? <laughs> oh, my, my hair wouldn't do dreads. It was, but it was curly enough, and um, you had the, you know, the paisley shirts and the the you know the Jesus uh, sandals and the whole hippie wow. thing. So just kind of in that environment without a, a close dad, so just lost, looking to fit in somewhere, trying everything. I, you know, played football, but also was kind of with the dope smokers. We'd leave at lunchtime and go out and smoke weed in the car and come back and. That whole nine years, I was just looking for my, my identity and uh, right. how did I get here? You know, how live in Austin, Texas without my father. And so, um, so Kim, when you say that's your first big game changer, losing, I mean, losing your dad at seven, 
Yeah. Is quite dramatic. And then if you, I mean, you know, back then we didn't have counseling and go talk to the men. I mean, we didn't have any of that. We just, so that really, I don't want that just really put you on a different trajectory, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't know how to tie a tie. I, you know, high school prom, I had to go next door and get the neighbor to show me how to tie a tie. Or I'm not trying to play the victim God used to, but how right. you know, throw a baseball, hammer a nail, just none of that. So I was always a little bit <clears throat> felt like, gosh, you know, I just don't have have that man to look to. Um, and that was that was what I realized. You know, I need a father, and so that was God preparing me. Um, you know, uh, guys like John Eldridge and others talk about the father wound. And right. that was my father wound. So, so you go from little tiny Amarillo horse town <laughs> to the to the Metroplex at that Austin, Texas. Yeah. And I'm sure you're introduced to all kinds of good stuff. Oh yeah, well you yeah, define good, right? So <laughs> yeah, that hippie scene, that music scene, it was you know, it's kind of fun, but also dangerous. And so just a kid looking to plug in somewhere. And sure enough, my junior year at McCallum High School in Austin, Texas. Uh, after um, after practice, this guy who's out there watching us all practice, he knows a bunch of the guys and stuff, and he's a UT student named Ronnie Phelps, and he's like, hey, you know, good job, I know you, and I'm Ronnie, and know some of your buddies, and it's just very, you know, today we might be a little, unfortunately, we might be kind of uh, skeptical of that. But yes, then, definitely <laughs> today. Watch out for Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie. <laughs> Well, well, later it was watch out for Kim because I ended up doing the same thing. <laughs> exactly. He was a part of Young Life uh, in Austin, Texas. And, you know, Young Life, a parachurch organization started in Texas uh, in the 1950s with just a, a ministry where um, adults, would, you know, believers would go to the high school campus, go to where kids were because kids weren't coming to church. They'd go to the kid where the kids were, get to know them, get to know what they're interested in, care about them, offer an adult healthy, safe friendship, and then invite us to a Young Life Club. So he invited me, my buddies, to come to a Young Life Club. It was in some, uh, one of the cool girls, one of the, you know, cheerleaders' houses. I'm like, well, I'm going to that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And a Monday night, we kind of shuffle into this room, and there's guys playing guitars and singing, you know, kind of, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash songs with the words Jesus put into it, you know, and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> Kids are all talking. They're doing these crazy skits, putting shaving cream on each other and doing these contests. And I'm like, well, this doesn't look like what I thought Christians were. I thought, you know, have to wear a coat and tie and sit straight and all right. that. And uh, then he got up and started talking about Jesus and about his life. And I'm like, well, wow, this is very interesting to me. And this is, you know, I kind of start to feel like this is, I like this place. Kept coming to that. And uh, went on the, they say, hey, we're all going skiing. I'm like, well, I want to go skiing. And guess who, you know, all the cheerleaders are going like, well, I definitely want to go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going skiing. Uh, Marty's going and she, you know, Whitney's going, I'm going. So got on this bus with 40 other kids. We drove up to, from, uh, gosh, from Austin, Texas to Monarch ski area and stayed at, you know, uh, Juanita Hot Springs, this little hot springs. And we skied all day and kind of a funny story. We were still pretty wild. So we had actually uh, snuck some beer. <laughs> Oh you know, my! <laughs> actually, when uh, when uh, we stopped in Denver, uh, or stopped in Colorado Springs, I think everybody went to eat. Well, me and my crazy buddies, we had these fake IDs. We went over to the convenience store and Coors beer. You couldn't get Coors in Texas, so we're like Coors beer. So we fake IDs. So we're 
we're, we have ski jackets. We're bringing Coors beer onto a, a Young Life ski trip. And uh, we're in the back and we're back there drinking beer on the way to camp. And I'm like, good Lord. Um, <laughs> that's why well, nobody could, when I was a youth minister, nobody could get away with it. That's why you knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> You'd already done it. That's right. So rest of that story real quick. We were, we put the beer outside our cabin window in the snow and we go and we ski and then we come out and drink that beer. And then one night we go up and the beer's frozen. So we're so pathetic. We peel the aluminum off and we eat frozen beer. That's kind of guy. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then, wow, that mountain air was really breaking <laughs> all brains. <laughs> just lost kids. Just think we had to do that. Well, sure enough, the fourth night we're sitting there. Um, at the Young Life Club, and this guy gets up and starts telling the story of the cross, and I'm like, what? And he goes through and talks about the suffering, the seven words Jesus said. He tells the whole thing. He says, and guess what? It wasn't the physical pain that Jesus was afraid of. It was being separated from his father, because when he took your sins on and my sins on, the father broke his relationship with the son, and Jesus became a sinner. He took your place, he yeah. died on the cross for you. And then he said this. He said, if you'd been the only person ever living, Jesus would have died for you. And he pointed at me in the crowd. I don't know. He pointed at me. He goes, he would have died for you. And then they said, now, I want you to think about your response to that. Go out in the <clears throat> nice, beautiful moonlit, sunlit snow and think about this offer. And I'm out there, full moon, snow. And I'm like, Jesus, I, I want you to be my savior. I need a father. I need a I need savior. So I prayed there to receive Christ as my Savior. And that was the wow. game changer. So wow. that was the game changer. So yeah, out in the moonlight, I was like, you know what? I don't need any more of that frozen beer. I need some beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we went back and threw it, we, we threw it all away. We didn't tell our leader until about two years later. But. So wow. the second game changer in your life happens in Colorado. Yes. You come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. So keep going, man. That, that is great stuff. Well, again, what am I doing here in Colorado? It's just like, well, yes. what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. How did I get here? How did I, I get here? Yeah. Um, I'll never forget running up to uh, when I asked Christ in my heart. I ran up to find my young life leader, Ronnie, and he was in the bathroom in his boxers. He's brushing his teeth. And I run and go, I became a Christian. <laughs> and the two faces run down his mouth. He goes, well, that's praise God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he began to disciple us and to walk us through that. And I had to walk away from all those, you know, my lost friends and my, I was dating a girl that didn't know Jesus. And we got back from ski trip and they're all, all my kind of non-believing friends were, who didn't go were waiting for me in the parking lot of municipal auditorium, you know, in Austin, Texas. And they had a van that was New Year's Eve. And I got in the van and they're all like, hey, we're, we're so glad you're back. You know, how was I go? I became a Christian. They're like, great, have a beer. <laughs> So, yeah. so like beer and weed i'm like oh you know i'm kind of still peer pressure and i indulge in the next morning i'm like i i blown it i don't i i lost jesus i don't i i, I can't i can't make it one night i i'm not i call my young life leader and said i'm, I'm i can't do this I, I i lost my faith he goes you don't understand kim <clears throat> when you made a decision the lord also he heard that commitment and he made a vow with you and you might let go, but he's not letting go. He will never leave you for safety. Wow. That is so, yeah. I would have to say that young life leader, that was great theology because that in itself was a game changer from going from legalism to understanding God's grace. Yes. 
He said, you know, Jesus, John, Jesus 10, John 10, I hold you in my hand. No one will snatch you from me. Jesus yeah. has made a vow. He's not going to, but you need to uh, follow him because he loves you. Not so he will love you. He can't love you anymore. You need Ooh, to think that's about good your, stuff, man. Woo. Yeah. You need to think about your lifestyle because you're so loved. Not so he will love you. You can earn it. it it's already there. L but live like a person that's loved. And that was game changing. That theology. Wow. You, know, you know, grace is, you know, it's not. We can't earn Jesus. He loves us so much. Why wouldn't we follow him? And, and why wouldn't we give up those things? And so, yeah, from there, I spent my, instead of going out and getting stoned uh, during lunch, me and the Christian kids, we would go to this courtyard in McCallum High School with, I mean, it was, we went from being, I went from being a hippie freak to being the Jesus freak, which was fine. Big old X through yeah. the cross and my uh, Bible, but then I'm, you know, blue jean Bible and my Jesus shoes and you know one way and all that. It was you got any pictures of that? I would like to. <laughs> I actually have a couple. Yeah, we'd all like those pictures. Yeah, we'd all like, like those pictures. I have the fro, the fro and a beard, so it's just like a circle of hair. I look like a lion. <laughs> <laughs> a circle of hair. Bob Ross. I like Bob Ross. Right. How'd I get here? <laughs> yeah, how'd I get here? So we're out in the courtyard at lunch, playing guitar, reading the Bible, and more and more kids start coming. So we have this little revival in our high school during lunch and then from there uh went to do young life work in the summer at summer camps and then i uh, went to ut and all my good buddies went off to the fraternity stuff and went to a couple of rush parties and, and i'm not saying the greek system is always this way but i couldn't handle it there was a lot of alcohol and a lot of, and i was like you know here's my game changer i can either go that route with my buddies and just keep the party and drinking thing and my young life leader's like why don't you come be a young life leader and we have a fellowship of folks. So I started meeting with every Sunday evening with uh, other college kids from around Texas. And we would, they trained us and we'd go into high school. So I went to Crockett High School and became a young life leader there and uh, loved it. Hundreds of kids and just seeing kids come to know Jesus. And so I was able to give them what had been given to me. And I, that was just, uh, I was enthralled with the fact that kids would listen to me talk about Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was where you got your love for marine biology. <laughs> so, <laughs> so game changer, what are we on number three here? What am I doing? I'm, at, I'm at UT. Uh -huh. I, I grew up loving the ocean, always going down to Port Aranda or Padre. Had aquariums and love Jacques Cousteau. That's dating myself. Yeah, that's a, very, that's a blast from the past. That is a blast. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to it looked cool, be on the beach, all that stuff. And so I started taking marine, you know, biology classes. <laughs> and as a seven, as a creative, yeah. So uh, about my end of my sophomore year, let me think about it. Actually, my junior year, I had just managed to barely get through biology, barely got my basics. And I'm in organic chemistry at the University of Texas with the smartest kids in the city and, and in the school. And man, I just, I keep, I can't get it. I'm making thirties and twenties and I'm studying like never before. And I'm just struggling at the end of the class. I'm <clears throat> right after the final, I've got like a, I think they used to have an E or I have a D, a D minus, which I don't think they give D's anymore. So I set up a time with my professor and I'm in there and he's, he's got, you know, he's just got this big office and all this stuff from marine biology. He goes, so now tell me what you were planning on doing <laughs> with your career. I said, wow. What I was planning. He goes, he goes, well, son, he goes, I just need you to know there's 
people that are really can think this way and mathematical and chemical and analytical and and very much that brain, but you're not, I watched you in class, you're the most social person in our class. Everybody wants to sit by you. Everybody wants to let you cheat off of them. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're too social for this. He goes, marine biologist, you're gonna be in a lab. Even if you're in the ocean, you're in the middle of the ocean on a boat by yourself, it's all data. He goes, what else do you like doing? And I said, well, <laughs> what I, else? Because there's very big else you could do. So, well, I do this young life thing, and I'm a speaker, and we have all these kids and stuff. And he was uh, actually a believer. And he goes, "Can I tell you something? That's what you need to do." <laughs> he goes, "You're not called to be a marine biologist. You need to pursue. You, you need to pursue Jacques Cousteau for Jesus." <laughs> I love how God keeps placing people in your life. Yeah, that's the right time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was actually saying, "What are you doing here? Yeah, what, are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm what are you doing? shirt? How did you get here?" <laughs> you need to be fishing for men, not for. Men. Oh, that's good. So, um, I literally prayed and talked to my mentor, and by that time, there was another gentleman who uh, Ronnie was had graduated, but the area director of Young Life, which is what I was when I met Julian Lubbock. Um, he is mentoring me and we were talking about it. he goes i really see and he was teaching me how to how to disciple kids to teach me how to do bible study he was actually the first man that mentored me and was a father figure how to follow jesus how to handle money how to look, dating relationships uh and he's he and i met and he goes well he goes hey, you have a gift you have a he goes he talked to me about spiritual uh, gifts true. You, so you know true. you're an evangelist mm -hmm. and you're, you're you know how to you know how to share the gospel in a way that kids want to respond. And we were having hundreds of kids coming and come to know Christ. He goes, I want to hire you as a student intern. Wow. So I changed into psychology and sociology. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that, that was great. So that, that's one of those. And then from there, as I graduated, Young Life offered me a position to be an area director in Houston, Texas. So I moved to Houston, Texas out of, after UT. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's... that's uh... Yeah, Austin to Houston, a little bit bigger town there. And then how long were you in uh, Houston? So five years in Houston. Okay, Just wow. Great Spring Branch School District, big old Westchester High School and Stratford High School. And these were really kind of intimidating kids. I mean, Austin Crockett was just kind of good old boys and kind of, you know, just um, sort of more of a um, demographic was lower income and these were like Memorial High School in Houston. These were high affluent oil parents and it's a little intimidating at first. Yeah. I mean, you know, Craig James was in our Young Life Club. Wow. Uh, kid from a girl named uh, Kelly Emberg who dated Rod Stewart later. I mean, it was like, who are these kids? Um, yeah. How did you get there? <laughs> yeah, here I am again. How did I get here? But just great things happened from there and just loved it. Um, five years there and then people in Young Life realized that I was more of an entrepreneur builder. I, I love to come in and take a place where there's no ministry and just create and, and grow ministry. So mm. like, they offered me to go, <laughs> yeah, they asked me if I wanted to go to Austin, Texas, go back home, which was very attractive, or go start Young Life in Lubbock, Texas, where there was wow. no Young Life. Mm -hmm. in, in Lubbock, God's Texas. country. Yeah. Bible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> belt. Back in the panhandle. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I really felt like you know, that God wanted me to go start somewhere new. And I'll never forget looking at Austin committee 
all these people from Austin, Texas, who they want me to go to West, you know, Westlake High School and all that. And then here's Monterey in, in high school. And the Austin person just looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? You want to go to the panhandle? <clears throat> so we went to Lubbock, Texas in 1980. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> it was in the spring, <laughs> like March. And I'm <clears throat> up on the Metro Tower. It's the big orange tower in the middle of Lubbock, Texas. Uh-huh. A friend of my family, uh, uh, Rufus Gott, had, uh, he, he, really, he leased all that out. And he was a friend of my dad's from way back. And uh, <clears throat> we got the top floor and I'm sitting there, I've just moved there and I'm sitting at my desk and, and I, my desk keeps kind of rolling like this. Uh-huh. I'm like, what's, do I have vertigo? What's right? I'm like, I look over the window and the curtains are doing this. They're kind of coming back and forth. I look up and the building is swaying about a, a foot and a half in that wind. And it had been made for tornadoes and stuff. And again, yeah. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Oh my God. <laughs> And I go to get my West car. Texas wind. I go down, dust is blowing. And, and I'm, you know, my friends in Austin are like making fun of me. I'm like, what is this dirt in my mouth? You know? <laughs> dirt <laughs> in, my, in your ears. Welcome, welcome to Lubbock. We don't even yeah. charge extra for that dust. <laughs> yeah. Dust is free. Yeah, that's that just free, not even extra. Tumbleweed's bigger than my car blowing by when I'm driving home, you know? And, it was a tough year, so God kind of saying, okay, do you really love the ministry or you just love certain ministries or, you know, you want it when it's mm-hmm. easy? Because it's always been really simple. There were only three or four little kids that were, you know, young, like kind of parents born a young life there and brought us there. And it was a year of just like, wow, this is, you know, will you still serve me when, you know, there's still only a handful of kids? Mm-hmm. Just poured into those kids and started recruiting Texas Tech college kids. And the great thing about Tech was that you get kids in Young Life from Dallas and Houston and Austin and all over the country came to Lubbock. They're like, we want to do Young Life. So it took a handful of college kids and pretty soon there were 10 of them and then 20, then 50. There was such, we had this great college ministry. Mm-hmm. We just slowly just kept training them and putting them in high schools. And all of a sudden Monterey, Julia McTellier started, we met in the basement of the YWCA and then the mm-hmm. Old Trinity Baptist Church when they had 10 and 50 wow. then 100 and then 200 kids and then Coronado kids started coming and then we ski trips and we did crazy things like take three buses uh, from Lubbock, Texas to Grand Canyon, Lake Tahoe, Las Vegas, San Francisco, summer California. camp, California. We just, and wow, they were just great years mm-hmm. where we went from nothing to having young life and all, you know, all the major high schools and then, you know, Estacado and then friendship and just God just really blessed it where we just, he just kind of blew it up. And it was all God, just watching God work. And I think if I had started there, I, I would have never appreciated that, that God, you know, you know, the fields are white for the harvest. Just be faithful. Yes. Treat, treat five kids like you would treat 500 kids, right? Nice. Love them just, just as well. So that was really some of the most enjoyable. It was so much fun, Julia. I was, single guy living in a house right off of <laughs> Texas Tech and Young Life guys. And we just did some crazy things. <laughs> so. Made a lot of difference to a lot of people. Well, and so how long did you minister there in Lubbock, Kim? I was there for five years. Um, and it was gosh, some of the best five years of my life. In all places, you know, people really make the place more than the, the surroundings. I mean, Austin's beautiful and, you know, other cities, but it's, you know, especially in West Texas, even in Amarillo now, it's, it's the because there's not so much distraction. The friendships really are, and the relationships really are deep. 
and it was yes. I'm still best friends with like Julie, some of those folks, and <clears throat> out of that ministry, about five or six different uh, people went off to do full time ministry. Right. Um, Chuck wow. Rogers, you know Chuck Rogers or Pete Johnson, Brett Hilliard. Uh, you know, is a missionary in China. So it's been fun to see God use that little epicenter out of Lubbock, Texas. I hope you guys are enjoying this story as much as we are. The game changers just keep coming again. Just a short recap, losing your father at age seven, going to Austin, meeting this man from Young Life. You go skiing after you have your beer and your <laughs> that is just making me laugh. You have a... Uh, Someone shares Christ with you. You accept him as Lord and Savior. You get discipled. Then all of a sudden now you're in the ministry in Houston. You come to Lubbock, a game changer in itself. You're up on the top floor to Bill and Swing. You got dirt in your mouth and in your ears. Meeting Julie, have, bringing kids to know Christ. Things seem to be going very well. Yes. <clears throat> Um, again, God taking the, what am I doing here to, uh, let me show you. Yes. Um, so, you know, again, kind of a Christian success story, so to speak, this going great. And, um, I'm gosh, 29. I meet uh, a roommate of one of our young life leaders. <clears throat> she was, uh, uh, going to tech and she just was graduating and we met and started dating and, uh, fell in love pretty fast. And we got married, gosh, six months later. And so my last year in uh, Lubbock, I was married and we were there and then uh, got offered to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, just felt like it was time to, because again, as, as a, someone that likes to start ministry, kind of church plant, uh, right. there's so much opportunity in Tulsa. We, she wanted to move. She was happy to move to Tulsa, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma and began doing young life there and same great things were happening memorial high school there and jinx high school and just we loved oklahoma wonderful community and we had uh our three children there all three kids you know had trevor our son and then um, blake a year later and then two years later chandler my daughter had three kids and doing young life in tulsa oklahoma and just again kind of one of those all-american stories and it was not not what am i doing here but man i am this is great that i'm here just kind of at the top of the world and then god just started opening up doors where um, after being an area director, the next uh, level, if you will, in the organization of Young Life is a regional director where you actually oversee other area directors. So right. they gave me, I began to oversee all of Oklahoma, and then they added Arkansas, then they added Louisiana, then they added Mississippi, and then they added Kentucky, then they added part of Tennessee. And all of a sudden at, gosh, 36 or something, I had the biggest Young Life region in all of Young Life. I was overseeing about 70 staff people, and uh, I was flying to all these, you know, start Young Life in New Orleans, which was very exciting, start Young Life in all these places, speaking at Young Life fundraising banquets all over the country. <clears throat> Every summer, I was got to be the head speaker at Young Life Frontier Ranch, or you know, 500 kids a week for four weeks. We'd live at you know, Colorado, or Young Life Windy Gap in North Carolina. I got to, I was the, the uh, job of my dreams. I was you know, uh, one of the prime, uh, premier speakers for Young Life and kind of moving up in the organization and uh, <clears throat> you know, start, starting Young Life all over the country. And it was like the job of a lifetime. I loved it. Right. So lots of traveling, all these states. You sound like a mini conglomerate here. 
uh, the SEC. You were all over starting this. And that in itself is a game changer, not only for you, but also for your family. Yes. And, you know, lo and behold, um, you know, whatever, you know, whenever you get to be a bigger blimp on Satan's radar screen and he goes after you, you know, and, and not to, you know, greater is he that's within us than he that's without, but when you, when, when you get Satan's attention, uh, he's going to go after you, going to go after your family, going to go after unity, and we can't blame everything on Satan, we're the, you know, I mean, we make our own decisions, but the more I saw success in young life and the, the bigger it got, the worse, uh, things were not great at home. Um, my marriage was struggling. We had gotten married fast and we had kids and that kind of delayed a lot of things, but we weren't doing well. And I was not being a good husband. Um, I did not know how to be a good husband. And, um, she's a very faithful wife, working hard, taking care of kids. I <laughs> love the Lord. Didn't really love young life and didn't really love what I was doing. So the, the less, uh, healthy we were at home, the more I was uh, tempted to just go, well, look, everybody loves me. How can you not love me? I just, you know, 50 kids came to know Christ at camp last week. How can you not love me? And how can you not? But what was happening here was not happening. So that was really, really tough. So we struggled and struggled. And Did she see the ministry at that time as a competitor, if you will? I'm not sure I would say that. You know, she uh, grew up in West Texas and great Christian family, very, very strong values, very stable family. Whereas mine was all kind of dysfunctional. So right. she, she really knew how to do family and how to be healthy. And I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know what family looked like. I was just, you know, in high, I never stayed home in high school. And I, as soon as I graduated from college, I never really went back home. Um, and, you know, we have nine kids in my family from two marriages. And I just never, you know, wonderful. Love my mom to death. She passed away on when she was, when I was in Tulsa, actually. But she, so... My wife knew what stability and what healthiness looked like in a family, and I didn't. And so I would just compensate by just getting out there. So, gosh, after, I mean, we did seven years counseling, and I came home one time, and she said, well, I'm taking the kids, and I'm going to Pampa. And so I'm going home. So we tried for another year of counseling. She came back. We lived separately for a while, but it just did not make it. And I, I own most of that. I'm not going to in any way throw her under the bus. I own a big, a large part of that. So all of a sudden I'm here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, brand new house we just built and uh, empty rooms and uh, sitting there. I actually left Young Life, speaking about game changers, in the midst of that, because I could not keep standing up in front of kids and people and talking about Jesus and the Christian life when my wife was, one, unhappy, two, when she left, I couldn't, with any integrity, stay continue to preach the gospel like that. Not that I doubted the gospel, but I thought I'm not in a healthy place to do this. This is not good. I can't live this double life. So left Young Life, and of all things, a friend of mine, um, this was when we were still trying to keep the marriage together. So before she, I left Young Life to try to, and you know, this, it was not working. I was, it, I was a disaster. And uh, a friend next door neighbor, he goes, what are you gonna do? I said, I don't know. He goes, well, a friend of mine is in pharmaceutical sales. You're a great salesman. And so I literally went from telling kids not to take drugs to <laughs> get as many people on drugs as possible, but they were good drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Yet another, well, person, yeah. another person just hops in your life. Another person, you know, and, and then again, God 
is using these game-changing moments because devastating divorce, you're no longer in the ministry, but now you're going to go into doing sales and even God's going to use that for his glory. Yeah, but again, put the t-shirt on again that I'm driving around (laughs) Oklahoma selling, you know, blood pressure medicine, smoking patches and all that. And literally I get, I'm I'm driving to, you know, Muskogee, Oklahoma going, how did I get here? Really? (laughs) How did I get here? You know, what's so amazing about that? They, I cannot think of how many biblical characters said that, but probably in Hebrew, they're like, Lord, how, how Moses, how do I go from the palace in a war hero in the desert watching sheep? (laughs) And Jonah's sitting in the belly of a fish, the bottom of the ocean going, how did I get here? Now you've got exactly. a now, you, now you've got a franchise for these t-shirts. You can all the different characters. Yeah. There might be a whole I may actually have a book in my head. I, I, I admire that you wrote a book. I thought I wonder what I could write a book, but that might be the top of the title. That should be the title, Kim Tal. You go for it. <laughs> so um yeah, so again, you know, the love, you know, lost the love of my, my wife, and then my kids are with you know her and uh, Texas, and then I'm not doing ministry anymore. The thing I love, I wanted to do that the rest of my life. And so um, another game changer after about a year of living in Tulsa and had great church, had friends, still had great support, great job. But my kids were in Pampa, Texas, and we'd meet halfway and at the holiday in Elk City, for goodness gracious. And um, two quick little conversations. Pampa, Texas. Yeah. Oh all right. Home of the harvesters. And so I... Um, I'm driving outside of Putnam City, Oklahoma, and just like, again, that, that song, it's not a good country western song too, doesn't it? Um, well, I'll, also, for listeners, no, we're not making these names up of these cities, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Putnam, Pump, Pampa. We're all places, that, that's right, man. Uh, broken bow. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm listening. No, I can't find anything on the radio except this woman named uh, Laura Engel. Oh, Laura Engel, I love her. She's like this Jewish counselor, and she's kind of like before Dr. Phil, kind of Rush Limbaugh times, and I'm listening to Dr. Laura, yeah. and she's talking, and this guy calls in, and she counsels people. She's really straightforward, real cut to the point, and this guy calls in. I think it's me at first. I'm like, am I on the phone here? Because like, well, I went through a divorce, and my uh, wife had the kids in another state. I live here, and you know, I don't know what to do. But I've got a good job. I've got a good church. I don't know what to do about my kids. And she goes, shut up, stupid. That's how she talked. And she said, move there. Just move to where your kids are. And, and he goes, no, well, but I have this job. And she goes, shut up. Listen, move to wherever your kids are. But I got, he goes, you want to lose your kids? You, you, you stay where you are. You can always get another job, another church, another friend. You can't replace your time with your kids. That was it. <clears throat> and I talked to some high school guys that had been in Young Life about had gone through divorce. I said, what do you wish your dad would have done differently? So they wish our dad would have stayed, would have moved near us because we lost touch with him. Like, okay. So lo and behold, I call Amarillo, Texas and call a friend who uh, was with the same company. And I say, hey, John, uh, I need to move near my kids. If you see a job opening pharmaceuticals, let me know. Next day calls me, he goes, I have a job opening. I go, okay. He goes, it's my job. I'm like, what? He goes, I've already gotten it for you. I talked to my manager. I told him wow. your situation. My wife and I were praying the night before you called about a change, and we need to move to where her family is in, in Austin. You got a job. 
Wait, you know what? We got to stop and just marinate on that. Understand the sovereignty of God. You're driving and can't find anything on the radio. And this woman, Laura Engel, comes on and starts. God is speaking directly to you. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you're calling your boss for a job. And you know what? What's so amazing about that? I have a, a similar story living in New York, uh, working for Monsanto at the time, oh, yeah. wanting to come back to West Texas. And everyone was telling me, no way. Everyone in America wants that territory. And I literally looked at my train and said, you know, if God wants to have that territory, I'll have it. Mm-hmm. Literally, three, four mm-hmm. months later, I'm moving to Lubbock. And my one heart's desire was to share Christ with my family. God opened up that door and I got to share Christ, my brother, my sister, who eventually accepted Christ. So God is sovereign. Oh my gosh. And I mean, those things don't just happen. No, they don't. You can't make that stuff up. So here I am, U-Haul trailer, my little drug rep car, driving back to Emerald, Texas. And and again, put the shirt on. How did I get here? here? (laughs) Was the wind blowing at the time you were driving? Oh yeah. yeah. It was was dark brown. It was 90 degrees and then what, 30 degrees that night. You know, it was like classic. And so literally I'm here and I don't know anybody hardly. And I mean, I literally don't know anybody, but the young life person here, a friend of mine, his wife is a good friend, the young life guy. And the next day or so she's driving me around Emerald. I'm looking for a house to rent. So when the kids are with me, I have a house, right? Oh my We're gosh. Look at this, look at that. We pull up, we go into this neighborhood. And I go, oh, this is where I live. And I was in middle school when I went to, you know, I went to, I went to that Western Plateau Elementary right there. And I went to Crockett over here and, we go down the street and I go, oh, this is the street where my house, my dad built a house. We pull up to this house for rent. And I look up. It's the house my stepfather has built that I lived in oh, in middle school. And I'm like, I, I can't, no. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just keep driving. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not living in that house again. So. That, that's when those are those are the moments you know God does have a oh. sense of humor. Oh my gosh. Like, he does have a sense because you know what, Kim? I've said those very words. I am not yeah. living here. Guess what? I end up staying five years. Never, <laughs> never say never. That's right. So that was a good Of course, you didn't want a swimming pool. <laughs> That's right. I got one. Yeah. And I, so I'm kind of like, you know, resenting, like, Lord, why am I not in ministry? I'm selling you know, pharmaceutical drugs to people that are going to die someday anyway, which is a horrible thing to say as a salesperson. Why am I in Amarillo, Texas again after all these years, you know, and yet, you know, being again, and I was going to move, as soon as my daughter graduated from Pampa High, so I was going to go back to Austin, and I'm still here because just what God has done. So, gosh, 15 more years in pharmaceuticals, get to, you know, Pampa, see my kids go through middle school, high school, graduate, uh, my sons came and lived with me before okay, they You were 15 more years doing pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical. So you're still not in ministry, but well, all this t- time, God is working this situation out because that is your heart's desire. And just to listeners understand, our timing is not God's timing. His way, I mean, Isaiah 55 89 tells us that His ways are not our ways. I mean, you think after 15 years, you know, it's kind of like Joseph in prison, like, okay, Lord, uh, when am I getting out of here? Yes. And so 15 years, but God's faithful. Well, yes, and absolutely. Plus, you know, have to remember 
now being in full-time ministry again, ministry is, it, there's no professional ministry in the Bible and non-professional. I mean, there's roles, but right. we're all, you know, the priesthood of the believers. We're all, Amen. we're all, we're all ministers of the gospel. So I'm able to go into hundreds of uh, offices, doctor's offices, nurses, physicians, and, and, st and stand up for Christ as well. So it's great for me to realize I am in the ministry. Absolutely. I get to share Christ. I, I get to, you know, represent Jesus Christ. You know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a minister of the gospel wherever I go. And there's not, there's not the separate separation between the professionals. You never see that in scripture. You're just, you're just a Paul. You were, you were a tent maker, but doing drugs, selling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's high school. This is now. So. <laughs> Also, a part of that was um, began just again embracing my, you know, think about what Paul says, Second Corinthians twelve nine. You know, three times I asked the Lord to take this, you know, this uh, ailment in my side, this thing for my, this thorn in my flesh away. And His answer was, "My grace is sufficient for you." Ooh, Second Corinthians twelve nine. Yes. In your weakness, I am made strong. I thought, okay, you know, being divorced, yes, it's horrible. It's not an unforgivable sin. It's not the end of the world. And God began using that in other people's lives as well, the restoration. But I started looking for churches, couldn't find anything I wanted. I never, I couldn't even spell Presbyterian. I didn't know, I thought they were liberal. But I go right. to downtown, beautiful Presbyterian church. I walk in, there's a girl I was, went steady with in seventh grade at Crockett Middle School. There's a, a guy that was my, the youth minister was my roommate at UT. Okay, um, memory lane. this <laughs> 75 year old woman comes up to me and she went to prom with my dad in high school in the 50 wow. years. Okay. <laughs> wow. And they just, this church in young life, I wasn't a great church person. I really was all about young life was kind of its own thing. Sometimes you, you know, it, I didn't, I wasn't yeah. a great church attender, but man, I went to the church and found grace and they loved me. They knew my story. They restored me. I got, I began to teach Sunday school to class, a couple hundred people after a while, and then started a singles ministry that kind of, you know, expanded and blew up. And then uh, and I'd say Amarillo, Texas was a game changer in your life. Absolutely. So, and more importantly, I want you people to also realize that when you move back, you kind of become a full-time dad. So that had to be a game changer in your kids' lives. Yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh. I would have lost them. It was, it was, you know, I mean, no matter what people say, you know, divorce is not God's first option at all. And no. he uh, says he hates it, but he does redeem it. But yes. you say the kids will be all right. No, they, they, they'll have to, they still deal with it. It's very much a wound, but it's very healable. And God uses that just like in my life, but it's nothing so, you, would, you wouldn't opt out for. You wouldn't choose it. So some healing in your kid's life. And then when you go to this Presbyterian church, some healing takes place in your life. I, mean, I can't even imagine walking in, you know, you're like altar call, you're walking down the aisle. And as you're walking in, you're seeing your, your, your dad's girlfriend, you're seeing your girlfriend. It's like, this is scary. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I get here, Presbyterian, I'm sitting in the Presbyterian church, big old sanctuary. I'm like, I'm a young life guy. I don't even have a, I don't even have a suit. I don't think, except, you know, Maybe, but until I became a, a drug rep, but just yeah. like, and that church loved me and very grace oriented, very biblical, began to allow me to do ministry again. They knew my story. They put me through some restoration. You know, if I, Ooh. you know, dating, dating as a single divorced person is a, it's a difficult thing. It's a hard thing for Christians. Wow. Was, got into accountability group with men, um, 
my associate pastor, my best friend, we started meeting on Fridays 25 years ago. We've, we've continued to do that tomorrow. We'll do that. Uh, so just got an accountability, got some of the healthiness. I didn't have the accountability uh, and the, the community in young life, but I did the church. It just, right. you're a pioneer, you're out there. It's a lot healthier now, I'm sure, but I didn't have, I wasn't accountable. So the rest of that story, um, after, gosh, uh, another four or five years of being there, um, my job here, I got with another company. It was not working out in pharmaceuticals. And I started a college ministry on the side at First Press called Gap, Grace Always Prevails. And so again, I was doing a, a job that I didn't love, but it was great tent maker, but I loved the ministry. And so the job that I had in pharmaceuticals, it, that door closed. About a month later, our associate pastor, I mean, our senior pastor called me and said, we've lost our associate pastor. He oversees um, young adults, college, high school, middle school, and children. We'd like for you to, to, to come interview for it. And I went and like, this is really, I mean, here's my background. And I, hey, we know who you are. So I did an interim for a year. And I'll never forget going, I'm, I'm working with high school kids again. Yeah. I wish people could see my face. I'm just smiling because <laughs> this man is having another game changing moment, but just goes to show you how faithful our God is. Yes. And yes. no matter what we do or have done, it's all covered by the blood of Jesus. But understand, but there's some key things. He went through restoration. Yes, people love on him to help him get well. Mm-hmm. And then God put him back in the ministry. That's and how God works. Well, and and the people that have known Kim or know him to the outside world, he's just one of those people that you you watch and admire and respect. And you think nothing's ever happened. Nothing's <laughs> ever touched that guy. He's never had a blip in his life or hardship he yep. could overcome. And it's it's just, um, it's encouraging for those of us who've had some blips to know, look, wow, look, look what ha- has happened and how you can stay faithful. Amen. And I think the thing is, it's not guaranteed in that you have to, as someone said about divorce, you get bitter or you get better. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Ooh, you, that's good. Yeah. What's the difference <laughs> between, um, what's the difference between Peter and Judas Iscariot? Honestly, mm-hmm. what's the difference? They both. I mean, did Peter sin less than Judas? Absolutely not. Judas betrayed Jesus as he predicted, but Peter did too, three times. And yes. what, what's the difference in those two men? They both massively failed. Like, what am I doing here? And, you know, and what happened is Judas did not go back to Jesus to get forgiveness and to realize he was loved. Peter came back and wow. Peter was restored. Wow. That's all the difference is. Mm-hmm. You can go through horrible things at your, most of the, you know, either the world it's a sinful world. Either that will happen from the world or as a result of your own sinful choices. Right. Admit and repent and acknowledge and get restoration. That's what, it's not automatic. We can't just live however we want. As you guys know, it's got to be Lord, like David after Bathsheba in Psalm 51, against you and you alone, I have sinned and done what is evil. You're justified, Lord. You could take your Holy Spirit from me, but please don't. And, and, and you want you want a broken and contrite heart, not more sacrifice, not more works. And so you have to have that true repentance um, to let God redeem you. He, would, he won't redeem it unless you give it and put it in his hands, right? Mm. Wow. So. so good. So good. 
I had a young life leader that told me that once. <laughs> Who was that crazy person? <laughs> so rest of the story, I became, I, I, in, at the same time, um, I had dated on and off a lot and kind of just like, you know what, I'm not going to get married till my kids are gone. I don't want to bring another family in. Some people do that well, but I did not want to do that. So <clears throat> when my daughter graduated from uh, Pampa, I was, and she went off to AM, I was going to go to Austin. I went and interviewed a couple of times, nothing happened. I was working here. I'm actually working in a hospice. Uh, it was before I went on, I believe our timeline messed up. Under all that about career and leaving pharmaceuticals was my uh, relationship with Lisa. I met, um, I was at, doing sales and I met this nurse and she was very sweet and we were part of the same company and I'd open the door for her and she was real quiet and she was friendly and she was younger than me and she'd bring me coffee. But I didn't, you know, I wasn't, well, I'm, I don't want to be that creepy old guy, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Ronnie, hi Ronnie. Hi Ronnie. (laughs) What are you doing here? And so, um, uh, but you know, she just we'd sit in the back during corporate meetings and talk, and she'd bring me a Starbucks. And one night we're supposed to all as a company go to this pumpkin maze thing, and I didn't go. And she texted me, she said, "Well, where are you?" I go, "Oh, I'm just at home." I go, "Well, that's interesting." A couple days later, the nurses that they go, "What are you going to ask her out?" I'm like, "What?" Old. and you know, she would love to go out so we went out one time and never looked back we dated awesome. wow two years it's the first woman that my kid said yeah dad <laughs> so <laughs> so here you know god not only let me have ministry again but brought a woman into my life and restored and redeemed that and it's another miracle i wake up sometimes and go, i can't believe what am i doing here lord i can't believe i get to do full-time ministry I can't believe I get to hang out with high school kids that I love. I can't believe I get to preach. I can't believe I get to be married to a very gracious, loving woman. And so, you know, if, if I think about the kind of the verse that kind of encapsulates all of that is very familiar verse to people, but uh, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And there were times if he had read that verse to me, I would have just said, just get out of my face. I, I, I've, I've lost that. I'm, you know, I've disqualified from ministry because of divorce and I've lost my kids and I'm not good at marriage. And God's like, I'm not giving up on you, man. I'm going to keep refining you and re, redeeming these things if you'll let me. Yes. So, yeah. That's awesome. I understand people, we have a God who, he was a game changer. He he loves redeeming the loss yes. if we will let him. Amen. That I mean, First Timothy two four. Who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? God does not desire to punish or not forgive anyone, but it's our choice. Mm. I mean, the game changer is the blood of Jesus. If you accept the grace and the mercy, uh, it's. I mean too many testimonies myself kim look at people in the bible people that you would not even want to be a part of your family god used these people i mean jake jacob was a his name means trickster so you do not want to go in business with this man (laughs) it's when you say that that's the one character i relate to the most i mean I, i i walk with a limp you know jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life but then he became israel i have a um, I have a limp from the divorce, if you will, but God uses my limp because other limping people go, oh, you do, you too? You have a limp? Okay, we can talk now. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. So good. 
Wow. That's good. Man, this is this is probably right up there with one of my all-time favorite episodes, just because it's just so yeah. encouraging and um Kim is so real. It's real. Yeah, very mm-hmm. honored and humbled to just know you and be your friend. And of course, Norris, you too. Y'all are the two of y'all together. Y'all need your own podcast or y'all need to be on the road together. <laughs> I need my shirt like Kim, man. I'm selling <laughs> that shirt. Maybe get him a cowboy hat and you can get a shirt. There we go. How yeah. many parents have yeah. said, How did I get here? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, excited because Norris has actually just agreed to come speak at one of our high school ski trips. So that's going to be just kind of a perfect circle. I I can't wait. I'm I'm very honored that you asked me if if you can remember the cabinet you stayed in when you put that beer outside. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see that. I don't think it's out there anymore. I think it's been (laughs) just that we got rid of that. (laughs) That's so great. Oh, my. Well, thank you. Well, we hope everybody out there has enjoyed this episode and we hope you guys will keep listening in to other stories that we have and game changers that are out there. Norris, what are you going to be up to this week? Uh, that That's a good question. It's been raining <laughs> like crazy in Texas. <laughs> um, it's been an unusually cool summer here. I mean, it just rained. I feel like I'm in Seattle. I'm like, why is it raining so much? And of course, the streets here in Waco are not designed. Looks like you have to have a boat or a big truck to get through the streets. I, well, I shouldn't say this. I love driving in the rain because I get to splash on a little bitty cars. <laughs> that, that's so bad. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> I just splash deal, man. Like, get out of the way. But, take, take your Christian bumper stickers off if you're going to do that. Yes, we, we take them off. But, <laughs> This week is what we're already, man, the week's almost gone. Right. I asked you guys to, to pray for the missionaries over in Afghanistan. Oh, boy. I got a text last night saying that there were about 229 Christians who were <laughs> going to be executed today. So we need to be in prayer for that. Um, also, I have a, a friend of mine I went to visit at the hospital. He is very sick. Mm with COVID. So we can be praying for that. So it's been a very busy trying week with ministry stuff, just uh, seeing friends that you know, very ill, seeing family members that are just, you know, if it's not, they know Christ, but it's still a very hard time for them when you think that your husband's going to die and just a lot of stuff. So I guess to answer your question, I'm just thinking God counting my blessings and just praying for people because you think you have it bad and then you know you don't i mean sure god not. gives us grace and i hope we use that to be praying for others sure right. and that's something we can all do every day with, yes with or with whether you've been vaccinated or not you can pray for everybody else but kim i am so looking forward to coming on this this trip and have an opportunity to share with your students and i am just so glad god has put you back in the ministry the game changer because you're now able and continuing to impact people's lives just like you did Julie's. I mean, that is the ultimate game changer. And I just want people to know uh, one of the verses I really like, and I, I think it applies perfectly to Kim's life is Isaiah 43 verse two, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they should not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you should not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Mm-hmm. Understand that God is always pruning us mm-hmm. 
conforming us to be Christ. The theological term is sanctification. We're in the process of being made like Christ. That process is not easy at times. And just remember when you're going to, I mean, I'm sure Kim did not want to go through a divorce. He didn't want to go through these losing your dad and, you know, telling the professor, you know what? Yeah. Marine biology is not your thing, brother. You need to, <laughs> I know you came here for some extra credit, but let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I, I, saying all these things, and I can tell you stories where just some things that have my life that and that made us move from Lubbock. I lost my brother from Lubbock, and that was just one of those things that is a tragedy that God used to get me out of Lubbock to go to the Midwest and live there for five years. And I can just tell you some marvelous ministry stories, but there was no way I was moving to the Midwest and have six months, seven months of winter. Wow. I was not happy, but God had a plan. So always that was a game changer moment in my life. But people, please hear what Kim is saying in his story. This is an ordinary man doing extraordinary things because we serve an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who absolutely loves us and wants to use us to be game changers if we let him. He's not going to force you. You're going to have choices. But if you let him, wow, just some unbelievable stories. Praise God. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Julie Marion Wells for being our friend. I mean, you knew Kim long before I did, but Julie has been very, very impactful in my life. We have some crazy high school stories. Just uh, I taught her how to drive a standard. I don't know how we survived that, but we did. told me that you have to break when you go around curves. That was not my fault. Yeah, break. Your personality. <laughs> Please break. But uh, great stories. And again, guys, thank you all for listening. And Kim, I look forward to hearing to see what God has continued to do there in Amarillo, Texas. You're back in your hometown and God is continuing to use you. And that is just, and that's the thing about believers. There's no such thing as retirement. That's right. Amen to that. Christian work. Yeah. Right. Again, thank you all for awesome. listening in. Remember to pray. We awesome, look forward Jeff. to listening to more game changers. So in your spare time, be a game changer. God wants to use you. miss an episode of the Game Changer podcast with Norris and Julie. Follow or subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening currently. The Game Changer podcast is produced by Hannah and Monroe Bell with music by DJ Overflow and graphics by Andre Harrell. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again for our next great conversation. God bless.